Welcome to the Deeply Discussing Movie Podcast. On this show, every week we discuss a movie and then one of us suggests the next movie for us to watch and discuss. All the movies are available from the major streaming services so that you can participate with us. Watch the movie we suggest. Listen to the discussion the following week. Uh, I'm your host, Dale Maxfield. I'm joined this week by Aaron Caldwell. Hello. Alicia Walker. Hello. Christine Deacon. Hello. Josh Dean. Hello. And Nathan McKinney. Hello. And today's selection was from me. It is the 2019 Takashi Miike film First Love. Uh, but first, we're going to talk about what we've been watching lately. Uh, Aaron, what have you been watching lately? Uh, recently, I've been pulling some old horror movies out of the hat again. Uh, the other day, we watched uh, Rawhead Rex, which was an <laughs> 80s film by Clive Barker. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> it was a movie, man. Uh, <laughs> we also watched Return of the Living Dead, which is a good zombie film if you, if you like zombie movies. Uh, outside of that, most recent movie I've watched, uh, we watched One Night in Miami. And I thought that was fantastic. If you yeah. haven't seen it, you definitely should. Josh, how about you? Um, I, I, have I mentioned a movie called The Caller before? Because uh, I saw this a couple of months ago. I don't think so. <laughs> uh, it's um, it's only two people in it. It's uh, Malcolm McDowell and the lady that played the wife in Funny Farm. I don't know the Chevy Chase classic if you guys remember Miranda them. July, <laughs> not Miranda July. Uh, okay. This is from uh, 1986, 87, and uh, it has an ending that literally made my jaw drop. Um, if you can guess where this movie is going from the first ten minutes, I will give you five American dollars. Um, it's it's. I say this before, but this is a nuts, just insane movie. Um, it's about um, a guy whose car breaks down in the woods, Malcolm McDowell, and he goes to this woman's remote cabin to ask to use the phone. And all sorts of hijinks ensue from yeah, there. And this is um, an older movie, right? Like from yeah, the 80s? 87. 86, 87, somewhere in there. Yeah. yeah. Vinegar Syndrome uh, just did a Blu-ray release for it. I cannot recommend it enough, uh, especially if you like movies like Death Trap. I don't know if any of you have seen that with Christopher Reeve yeah. and Michael Cade. Uh, it's not exactly the same flavor, but um, it's it's interesting. Yeah, I would I would recommend watching it with knowing as little as possible going into it. Okay, that sounds good. Uh, Christine, how about you? Um, I watched over the weekend uh, the 2018 movie Cam on Netflix. Um, I watched it with a friend who was doing uh, something about it. Uh, so we watched that one together. It was really interesting. Not at all what I had expected going in. I didn't really know much about it going in at all. Um, about a girl who is a Cam girl. Uh and gets her identity uh, stolen. I'm thinking I've either heard someone talk about that or I've seen it. I can't remember if I have, though. Yeah, it's really interesting because it takes it 
and just like this bizarre like almost horror way yeah um but it's really good i recommend it and then i watched um that new show behind her eyes on netflix uh-huh. and it had a few twists i kind of saw them coming though uh, some people at work were talking about it, so I checked it out, and they were like, oh, you'll never see this coming, you'll never see this coming, and I was like, okay, I'll check it out, and then, like, a few episodes towards the end, I was like, mm, kind of see where this is going, yeah. so kind of ruined it a little bit for me, but it was okay. Cool. Uh, Nathan, how about you? Uh, so, I've been working on my German movies again. Uh I saw two in particular, and I'm going to talk about the third one more. Uh, I saw Fitzcarraldo, uh, yeah, because we kind of talked about that. Yep. I enjoyed that a lot better than I did uh, Agira, Agira, the Wrath of the God. Uh, in fact, I started a third uh, Werner Herzog movie, and I didn't get through it all the way yet. But it's the one I was telling you about. That's about the the little people. It's called mm. uh, I think little people are started small too or something like that it's actually on amazon i got about halfway through it i'll probably go back to it and finish it it's interesting i'm gonna leave it at that uh the other one that i watched uh before i talk about the one i loved was um ministry of fear which i you know fritz lang fitz lang is his name i think he started as german and then he obviously is a German person, but he came over and did a bunch of American movies. So I, I'm not sure if this one counts on my German list, actually, but it's okay. It's just kind of a noir. It's fine. But the one I watched that I just absolutely fell in love with, I watched it today, uh, is called Alice in the Cities. It's a Wim Wenders movie. It's it's the first one in his Road trilogy. Okay. Um, it's made about 1975, 74, 76, somewhere in there. Um I'm going to guess this road trilogy is based on road movies in general. Uh, so the first one is basically that. Um, and it reminded me a lot of Paper Moon, if you guys have ever seen Paper Moon, which is another fantastic road movie, essentially, except that one's about a shyster. This one's about a guy who, through weird circumstances, ends up... He's he's a writer. He writes in the States and uh he basically does a road trip at the ver he's ending at the beginning of the movie where he went through the states and he didn't really have anything to say about it enough to write the whole article so he wanted to go back in germany and work on it well as he's trying to get his ticket to go to germany he runs it to a mother and a daughter and through weird circumstances he ends up taking the daughter back to germany without the mother mm-hmm. and so he gets stuck with her and tries to like get her back to her you know family but it's 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 just darling i i thought it was an adorable movie i would totally recommend it to anybody that's looking for a nice casual watch it's it's fantastic right on um have you seen um speaking of werner herzog stuff uh have you seen on death row no it is a documentary tv series that he did there's eight episodes of it yeah, and it's all about um, the basically the death penalty in America and how mm. insane it is. And he talks to a bunch of inmates that are on death row and their families and um, like the victims' families, and goes into a lot of detail on it. But if you want to like a long form, you know, eight forty five <laughs> minute. Uh, narrated and interviewed by Werner Herzog 
movies. Maybe someday. <laughs> it's free on Amazon Prime. Um, so I, I, you know, I I finished Berlin Alexander Platz. That's about as deep as I want to get into this German thing. I mean, that was fourteen on death hours. row. The only thing German fourteen about it is hours. Herzog. <laughs> <laughs> it's. So. I mean, it 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 very much just feels like another true crime uh, series on Amazon, but uh, uh, he's the director and the the main interviewer so i've got a hand-picked like five or six more movies that i'm going to get through i'm going to finish the road trilogy for wim wenders which i i would been wanting to do anyways and then a couple others and then i'm going to move on to another thing so alicia how about you i haven't watched uh that many things that are new we we got back to your honor which we had only watched the first episode right around the time it dropped and so we finally picked up with episode two and are going to try to get that finished up now that I, I assume they're all done now, yep. right? Your yep, Honor? and okay. I'm going to talk about it because uh, <clears throat> okay. I just finished it. I'm going to talk about it in very coded terms that will not give away the big twist because I know episode four apparently is a big one. Okay, so watching that, I started watching the, is it called Murder at the Cecil Hotel or, or Cecil for our British yeah, friends? Yeah, it's... Um, crime scene or something like that i'm seeing yeah so i started watching that i got about two and a half episodes in on that um and it's interesting i think i like definitely how they shot it and edited it a lot more than the one about the night stalker um on netflix but you know we'll see uh how they how they do the rest of it i haven't gotten super far in it i I, maybe halfway i'm not sure how many episodes it is i kind of assume it's maybe a four or six parter um the I think main, it's four. Is it four? Yeah, yeah okay. Netflix one's four. Okay, so I'm a little more than halfway done, and some of you might know a little bit more about how great this turns out. Like, great might not be the best word, uh, but uh, the other, the main thing we watched otherwise that was new because we watched a lot of new movies uh, last week, but this week we watched Beanpole, um, which I had kind of heard about. It was on my radar for several months, um, and so we rented that and. Uh, I don't know if it's a Russian production. I assume so, but it's it's set in Russia right after World War II ends. It follows um, one main character whose nickname is Beanpole because she's a really tall woman. And uh, it also follows then her very good friend from the war. And uh, it's just like, I, I believe it's Leningrad, I think, uh, which obviously that, yeah. for those you know about World War II, was really tough uh, place to be in World War II. And so it's kind of looking at what life is like right after the war, but also the relationship between these two friends and, you know, are they more than friends? And and uh, what the girl who's super tall and really thin, she works in a hospital for a lot of veterans who have come back from the war in really bad shape. And uh, she suffers from some kind of like epileptic kind of seizure kind of a disorder where she just kind of freezes and just kind of, like trembles a little bit uh but not not to like a a huge seizure kind of a thing but very small uh, movements and she'll just be frozen for several minutes and that you see that's like your first thing that you see and then that becomes a little bit important in the plot later too they were saying it's actually ptsd which i was oh really yeah i was kind of like that's a weird uh, it, it is. It looks like a seizure is happening. Yeah. But that's what they were saying on hmm. some of the descriptions. So anyway, so we watched that. Uh, I thought it was interesting. I didn't love it. I don't know if anybody else has seen it. What you guys think about it? 
I know that was kind of some early buzz for uh, some of the films that came out early in the year, but but it was it was definitely interesting. I, just the the setting of it, the time period, and the location, I think was was very interesting with the story. Yeah, right on. Yeah, um, I I think I liked the um, the Richard Ramirez documentary uh, series better than um, the uh, the crime scene. Cecil, Cecil Hotel, Hotel one. Mm-hmm. Um, just there's more of a story there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I mean, he had lots of victims over a, a longer period of time. And uh, um, I'm not going to ruin anything about uh, the Cecil Hotel one. But I'd, I also had, um, and I mentioned this when I talked about it earlier, but I already knew about the case and I knew like, what the eventual outcome was going to be as far as the missing persons aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that part of it, I, I knew, um, but I thought they did some interesting things with the third and fourth episode, um, kind of digging into sort of the, un, sort of the underground, um, almost similar to, but, but much better done than um, the don't fuck with cats documentary where they really kind of dig into the internet sleuthing side of things and how the internet was fascinated with that case. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, I finished your honor. Um, it, it, it was weird. I thought there were only going to be nine episodes and that it was going to end at the end of January. And then they either skipped one week or two, like they didn't have an episode on Super Bowl Sunday. And I want to say they didn't have one the next week as well. And then there turned out to be 10 episodes. And so I just waited until the whole thing was out and and cranked through the last five or six or how many I had left to go. Um, talk about keeping you guessing. Um, like episode to episode, the, the focus just keeps changing. And, um, you know, the lengths to which Brian Cranston's character has to go uh, to keep things going. Uh, it's also um, interesting that uh, it was very much meant to be a limited series, but it was like earth shatteringly successful for Showtime. And they're trying to figure out if there's a way to make a second season's story for it. Mm-hmm. Um so it'll be interesting if they can. Um, Showtime, as all of my Dexter peeps know, uh, will absolutely run a show into the ground if they can. So uh, I I personally don't think it needs any more seasons, but I can see why people would be excited to see Brian Cranston play this character um, some more. Um, so we'll see. We'll see if it if it picks up for one more season or not. It's kind of the same thing with Goliath. Like Goliath had a pretty solid ending, and then they decided to make just one more season of it, and then COVID stopped them from starting production on it. So it's going to be like a year and a half or two years between seasons on that before that comes out. Um, I also uh, started watching a series called tell me your secrets, which is an Amazon original. 
um, which I think most of us uh, on the podcast would enjoy from what I've seen so far. I think I've watched the first six episodes of it. Um, out of 10, uh, it's Lily Rob uh, and like the executive producer of uh, The Undoing and the uh, uh, what's the show with Laura Dern and Nicole Kidman and Big Little Lies. Yeah, it's it's the same sort of executive producer production team. So they br- they brought Nicole Kidman from Big Little Lies into The Undoing. And now they're bringing Lily Rob from the undoing into tell me your secrets. And so she's like the lead in that. Um, and that well, speaking it, of, you know, your honor going to a second season, I was kind of thinking about big little lies as a good example of how you could do that. Right. I mean, I know. Some did they do two or three of <clears throat> big little lies? It was just the two. Cause Glenn, yeah, not Glenn close. Uh, Meryl Streep came back for that second one, put mm-hmm. a little bit of new energy into it, but it was a good story. Yeah. It, was, it was definitely worth watching season two on it. And I it, it, I agreed with you at that point, like after the end of season one, it didn't need another one. But I welcome what they did. It was great. Yeah, they found interesting things to do with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I think if if everybody's on board and they can they can find a storyline that works, I think they could do another season of Your Honor. But um, so tell me your secrets is it's kind of the story of these two women sort of concurrently there's Lily Rob who plays a woman who is in witness protection because she was the girlfriend of a serial killer and she is suspected to have helped him or maybe done some of the killings herself along with it but she's gotten an early release into witness protection and so she's trying to like move on and live her life and then there's the mother of one of uh, the boyfriend's victims or potentially uh, one of his victims. They they don't know, but they think that she was killed by the, the boyfriend. They haven't found her yet. Um, and that the mother is played by Amy Brenneman. And so the basic plot of the show is that uh, Lily Robb is trying to stay in witness protection and keep safe. Um, she has a little bit of amnesia around what actually happened in the last couple of months on the run with this serial killer guy. And then Amy Brenneman knows that she's out somewhere in witness protection and is trying to get to her to figure out what happened to her daughter. So. Yeah, I've watched it. Yeah. Have you seen all of it? I was talking about, yeah, I was talking about it last week. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it must not have made a big impression on me. I'm sorry. I was listening <laughs> to a podcast called The Apology Line, and they were uh, hyping it up. So I ended yeah. up seeing it off the basis of that. But um, we all watched a movie uh, this week. It was called First Love. Um, Josh and I have seen it before. The rest of you, I don't think, have seen it. Uh, Aaron, what did you think of First Love? You know, with Takashi Miike, you really never know what you're going to get. I mean, he goes from making something like Full Metal Yakuza, which is incredibly strange if you ever go back and watch it, 
to audition to uh, Sukiyaki Western Django to Zebra Man, just all over the map. So I had no idea what I was getting into when I, I watched this. Um, but I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. It felt like a lot like the movie True Romance. Um, okay. And like I, I really liked the the change in in movie from minute to minute. Like just like, is it a comedy? Is it a thriller? I don't know. Um, the answer is a, yes. By the way. Yes, yeah, that's that's true. Um, it, There's at least three just, genres going on at the same time. Oh yeah, yeah, and a little an- animated section. Uh, <laughs> it, it it was really good, very enjoyable movie. Um, I I would definitely suggest people watch it. How do you think it compares to the other Miike films that you've seen? Um, I would say positively. Uh, audition was probably my favorite one from him. His other, his other really well-known film over here, at least that I remember, is uh, Ichi the Killer, and I am not a fan of that at all. Yeah, I think Dead or Alive is probably his most popular after Audition. Uh, but I would say it, it's one of his better movies that I've seen. Okay, Alicia, how about you? Uh, this was my first Miike film, so um, I don't know if this is the one that's great for me to get introduced to this this particular director. Maybe that's why you chose that, Dale, but um, I thought it was interesting. I um, Some things I uh, I wasn't maybe quite as crazy about in, in some segments. I thought it was kind of getting into more of a typical crime story at some points, but then it would really change gears, and I enjoyed that. Um, I liked um, the mix of the supernatural there, and especially when that got to be kind of comical. I mean, in some ways, it was kind of summed up by her being on the subway listening to the what sounded like like indie pop music or something, and imagining her dad dancing in his tidy whities. Mm-hmm. So that you know, I think that was great. I loved that part. Um, I liked, you know, that when they first show, I thought there was going to be a lot more supernatural elements in it, to be honest. Not that that necessarily was supernatural since it was her hallucinations, but when he's like rising up through, you know, under the sheet right at the beginning when we first see uh, Monica's character, I thought, oh, okay, so there's like some haunted elements happening here, something which kind of went a different way. But um, I thought that was interesting. Um, I... I thought I thought that I wish there would have been more about the Chinese crime family because we just see kind of a little peek of them at the restaurant uh, towards the beginning of the movie and then you figure out the boxer works there part-time job something and I thought there might they might do more with that or that they might tie him into that family and what was happening more because of his presence there in that restaurant. So I was kind of wanting a little bit more maybe there, but I loved um, the chase scene is great. I really like all that scene happening in the grocery store because you just have all these people all after each other 
for this, you know, bag of drugs, but, you know, the MacGuffin, the whatever, like everybody's just, it's an excuse in some ways for everybody to fight each other. And then the the cops are there, but they're all just waiting outside, which I thought was kind of funny. I thought we'd have more interaction with all the police, especially with how many apparently are sent on this, because at the end when he's driving across the bridge and he's followed Every police by, car in Japan is following Yeah. Him. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, it's like, yeah, there's not as much crime in Tokyo. They got to have something to do, so let's all go chase this guy. But, and I liked, you know, he was very interesting, the crime boss. I wanted to see more about him uh, and what happened with him and the one-armed man, like a fugitive action thing happening before. So I thought that was kind of interesting. So there were definitely things I really liked. Well, the uh, one-armed man was the Chinese guy. Right, but but I didn't know. They obviously had a history and had something to do with presumably maybe why the Japanese crime family son went to prison or oh, something like that. the Japanese so, hate the Chinese. I got that's that. That's the backstory. Okay. Like but in, in real particular, life, that's true. So <laughs> yes, we know that. Yes. But it, it, I'm, I'm well aware being an Asian studies teacher. But what I think I wanted more about was in particular when the son comes back, they talk about the one-armed man whose name I've forgotten. But Wang. Oh, that Wang, thank you. That he's come back now because he knows you're back or whatever. So I kind of wanted to know a little bit more about maybe that story in the past. I didn't necessarily need it. I wanted it, but but it was fine without it. But yeah, there was a lot of interesting things that I enjoyed. Christine, how about you? I really liked all of that stuff uh, that was mentioned earlier uh, with the dad and the dancing. And in particular, when... He was like, I want to see what you're seeing, but I don't want to be on drugs. That was great. Yeah. I love that line. Um, uh, and then just my favorite part was when the girlfriend, uh, Masu's girlfriend, I believe that was his name. Yasu's girlfriend? Uh, uh, yeah. Her name is the Julie. The guy that gets killed. Julie, that's right. Okay. Julie. When she's just like dragging that crowbar mm -hmm. and she's just like on the war path. I loved that. Yeah. I love how she never just stops like, to put on pants after she takes them off. Yes. Yes. We she, talked about she that just too. Owns yep. it. Who has time? <laughs> she just owns it. Yeah. She's just like, it's time to kill somebody and I'm going to do yeah. it. Yeah. Because nobody else is going to do it. Her best line in the so. whole movie is when she's trying to motivate everybody, when she's like telling him that that Kase is the one that wrote them off. She says, <laughs> I'm out to kill everybody. Let's kill people. Yes. I loved that line. It was amazing. <laughs> and, and she just, uh, when the first guy is trying to kill her and she makes it look like she's going to surrender to him. And then she just totally takes him down. Yeah. I was like, of course, because you were brought up in this family and you, are not going to take any of that. Right. Why would you? Yeah, we see her, so, like the first time we see her, she kicks Monica in the chest. It's like, so we exactly. know she can be violent if she want, needs to be. Exactly. So I loved her character. She was by far my favorite character, even though she was supposed to be a bad guy. No, I she's like, hilarious. I, I know. I root for her 100%. <laughs> like, her, her um, eyes. Like, they're constantly yes. at, at, yes. at max capacity. It's exactly. Fantastic. Exactly. I love yeah, it. I tried to look into that actress um, because I was fairly sure that she wasn't uh, Japanese. 
Um, but all I could find out is that her stage name is Becky. No last name, just <laughs> Becky. <laughs> Love um, it. And she was born and raised in Japan, but I don't think that she's ethnically Japanese. So, uh, But other than that, I loved uh, that uh, the Chinese woman uh, that was the assassin uh, throughout the movie, she kept talking about the Yakuza, how they're supposed to have humanity. Yeah. And throughout, that's like her whole thing. And she doesn't like hit you over the head with it. But at the end, she lets them go because he has humanity and that's all she yeah, stands for. And that, that brings up, I mean, I, I was talking about how I was trying to find more information on characters. And that brings up something that happened. So um, not to get into my part of it yet, because it's not my turn. But uh, when we saw it at TIFF, when it premiered in 2019, we assumed that when it came to the U.S. that we would get an English language credits at the end of it so that we'd be able to rewatch it and like figure out who the different actors were that were in the movie. But they didn't do that. And the IMDb oh. is missing bunches of characters. And that long-haired Yakuza yeah, woman that. is one of them. <laughs> She's not listed. Um, when I first mm -hmm. saw her in the movie, I thought it was Michelle Yeoh. Um, but I also saw it in Toronto, which has a massive, uh, Chinese, uh, and Asian in general population there for university. And so anything that we saw that was Korean or Japanese, um, uh, during that whole thing, cause we saw, cause Parasite was there that year, like the night, the night before first love was Parasite. Um, like people were just going nuts over this and uh the uh the lead actor and the uh uh monica actor uh were among the two of the people that were at tiff to sort of present the premiere of the movie so and uh when that guy came out like the girl screamed like it was a beatles concert like it was just wall to wall college Asian girls at that screening. So, uh, Nathan, what did you think? So, I mean, my impression of this movie is going to sound like I hated it out the gate because I've got some complaints about it, but the end result was I enjoyed the movie and I kind of want to watch it again Yeah, um, to get a better feel for it. I would say, you know, I was probably about three cups of coffee shy of being able to follow anything that was going on in the first 45 minutes. Yeah. I mean, this was on a Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy level of like, okay, I almost need a Game of Thrones style appendix to follow what the fuck is happening. Yeah. And it didn't help at all. And this is one of my biggest complaints about the movie, that the subtitles did not do anything to indicate languages that were being spoken. Uh -huh. I, I really hate that, <laughs> especially if it's important to the plot. And usually if there's multiple languages going on and somebody doesn't understand or whatever, it's kind of important. So the one scene I think was in Chinese early on in the movie was the restaurant scene. I could be wrong. Maybe there were more, but you also had a Filipino guy, which actually I didn't catch that he was even Filipino to begin with. Uh, you know, I, I try to pay attention when I'm watching movies. Uh, it kind of makes me miss the movie theater experience where everything's all dark and the dogs aren't whining to go outside. And yeah, 
you know, but it, this was hard to follow uh, for the first 45, 50 minutes. I, once I kind of got my, and I think it was about the scene, maybe when he was dancing on the train and his whitey tighties, somewhere in there was where I started, okay, I'm kind of in. I still needed some hand-holding as I went, but at least I kind of got it. If it hadn't been for someone here to kind of, we can pause the movie and Alicia explain what the hell was happening or at least make sure I was on the right page, Yeah, I would have been lost. So, I, you know, I appreciate movies that want, you to, want to make you watch them over again because there's some quality there. Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy is another one. I'm not sure when I'm going to visit that one again, but... It's going to be a while because that was quite a sleepy movie. This one was not a sleepy movie, but it was still hard to follow. I, I want to get back to it and kind of get back into it. I like the overall well, I think effect you could of watch the, movie. the first half hour again now. and Probably. And I, and I almost did that. We, it. we didn't buy it. We rented it. So I think my It's on Hoopla. So you can watch okay. it for free. Oh, well, we, we rented it because we're I'm just saying, if you wa- wanted to do it again, <laughs> re-watch it. if you wanted to rewatch yeah, yeah. it without renting it, you could watch it on Hoopla. So all that being said, I, I think I don't want you to take away that I hated the movie because I didn't take, hate the movie. In fact, I really liked it. In fact, I was like, I want to see some more of this director's stuff because there's he's got a non-Hollywood take on all this stuff. And I really appreciate that about foreign directors and I haven't seen anybody quite like him. He does have a very similar sensibility to, uh, I think we were talking about Bong Joon-ho and some of the, the Looney Tunes stuff that were going on. And I think he probably kept it down to a a bare minimum, you know, so it didn't get too shifty out of the the tone of the movie. Yeah. I think it's more about being funny consistently than being, absolutely crazy every once in a while yeah yeah and you know the only part that i was i i kind of found it interesting but quite frankly i wasn't really buying it because it it took the reality away from what was supposedly there through the rest of the movie was the animated sequence was just kind of bogus to me like i thought it was really well done and cool looking yeah but at the same time like you don't drive off of a parking structure Right, <laughs> they they build them so you don't do that. But so, this also isn't a hundred a hundred million dollar Hollywood movie. This this I is know. an independent filmmaker that and maybe I should makes be like six films a year. So movies that like mess with reality, but it it had grained itself pretty well in reality up to that point. So it was kind of like I did oh. it. I mean, there's a lot of pretty insane. <laughs> no, so so the stuff, yeah, I think they did because they explained away the goofy ghost stuff in a really great way, actually. So it was based on what her visions were. And that was, you know, there's a science in, you know, your suspension of disbelief. There was something there. So for the most part, I was, I was on board and that was like the one thing I was like, "Eh." but I would say like a hundred percent, I just kind of scoffed at it when it happened. I would say a hundred percent. If they had the budget to shoot that for real, they would have shot it. The only reason it's animated is because they could not make that scene work any other way. Yeah. I mean, there's tons of Hollywood action. I mean, when you blow up a truck, it doesn't flip over. Right. They've proven that on Mythbusters and many, many, many things don't happen that way. But when you're already in a universe where crazy bullshit happens like superheroes anyways, then that's okay. But when you're ingrained in reality, I was just kind of like, I don't know. So anyways, that's where I was. Josh, how was your uh, repeat viewing of Uh, first love? Um, love. 
Yes, so I saw this when I was in Los Angeles uh, for a little while, a couple years, or back in 2019, Um, and uh, really liked, I liked Takashi Miike stuff in general, Um, so I I knew I was going to like this. Um, I I was struck by the true romance angle the first time I saw it, but this time, Guy Ritchie is what stood out to me. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, the idea of like all these plot lines being introduced and weaving together and in and out with each other. Um, I, uh, now knowing what's going on also, uh, made it a lot easier the second time to watch and to follow and to figure out where, where all the plots were going. Um, the, but the first time I saw it, um, Kase, yeah. um, the troublemaker, like that character was my favorite character probably in the movie. Yeah. He's Just, hysterical. When he punches the grandmother in the face, I laughed out loud both times I've watched this now, which I don't know. Well, it's like the 10th person in a row. He's just had to kill for no reason. Reason. Exactly. He's like, how many is that today? When he runs <laughs> over the guy's head. Yeah. Um, so, and that happens after yeah. the grandmother, after the grandmother. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> His shenanigans just kept in just the darkest comedy way cracking me up. Yeah. Um, and like uh, we were saying earlier, um, Julie. Yeah. Uh, Julie. Yeah. It's Julie. all about Julie. All about Julie. Uh, yeah. Her after she survives the exploding apartment. Um, set off I was, by a little dog, by the way. The dog set off toy, by a which little was dog great. And some that was so awesome. <laughs> it was toy dog arson. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, so enjoyable. So yeah. Um, I still enjoyed it the second time around. Um, the thrill of discovery was gone a little bit, like mm-hmm. the first time I saw it, but I still enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, yeah. So, um, what the hell me? Um, so what I did is I, I saw this at TIFF. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I couldn't wait to share it with people. Um, I don't know that it got a wide release. Um, I, I don't remember seeing it in theaters, uh, near here at all. So I was, I was just hoping for VOD to come around and it finally did, um, so that I could introduce people to this. Um, it was one of our favorite movies of TIFF that year. Um, and it, it was part of Midnight Madness, so... Um, I was keeping Hannah up way past her bedtime to watch this, but she loved it too. Um, I think, uh, going back to a couple of people's points, um, primarily Nathan's, um, this is, this is the gateway accessibility to Kashi Miike song, uh, movie. Um, you do not want to start with the song of Kataguris, which is like this mixed with the sound of music. Um, you know, he's got some other ones that are fairly accessible, but he's got ones that are complete Looney Tunes the whole time without animation, um, with just completely insane characters and, and all around crazy stuff going on. Um, but this is, he, there's nobody that makes movies quite like he does. And he's extraordinarily prolific if you look at his IMDb, like the year that Audition came out, he had six projects come out. There's like two TV movies and th- and a three features and like a sh- uh, short film that he did all in that same year. Um, and Audition was 
like fairly well uh, received in the West because um, it came out around the same time as the uh, quote unquote torture porn movies were getting popular, like Saw and Hostel and those kind of things. And Audition is famously uh, or famously has a scene of the woman who auditioned um, torturing the guy who auditioned her. Um, so, uh, it, it definitely falls into the, uh, the cringe, uh, torture porn horror genre. Whereas this is very much a action crime comedy movie. Um, if you want, uh, if you want just a more straight ahead action comedy, there's dead or alive, uh, which is another good like gateway into him. Um, it's there's a lot more fighting in it, so it's a lot gorier than this movie is. A lot more like sword fighting and and severed limbs and things like that. But um, I also uh, had trouble following the story the first time that I watched it. Um, I had trouble watching the story this current time that I watched it. Um, and in both cases, it got to a point where once the balls are kind of in the air and everything kind of gets up and running, um, literally, I think right about the time that um, uh, that Yuri dies, like the plot is set, things are in motion, and you can just sort of enjoy the ride from there. It's not terribly uh, important that you understand the background and motivation of all the characters, because a lot of what's happening throughout the rest of the movie feels very reactionary anyway. It's just like people show up um, and maybe it's the first time that they've caught up to Monica, who they suspect has the drugs for the first half of the movie. And then Kase, who has them for the second half of the movie or who they know has them by the second half of the movie. When, uh, when Julie has her, let's kill everybody uh, speech. But um, I just think it's a whole lot of fun overall. I wrote down a bunch of notes. Um, first thing, don't tase a guy who's holding a gun on you. That's how all of this started uh, for Kase. He brought the taser. He dropped the taser. The other guy picked it up and tased him while he was holding a gun on him. And the gun goes off. So, But also, that, that taser was clutch in a couple other scenes. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> we we talked several times when we were watching about it, about how this was basically a whole long allegory about wear your damn seatbelt. Yeah, yeah, it was. that it was. was that was Public also a scene. Service message. The scene, the scene where it just cuts to the outside of the vehicle and he goes forward and hits the brakes, goes forward and hits the brakes. Yeah, and you know what's and happening the in the car. <laughs> yeah, but it yeah. is it is the yeah. funniest scene. Yeah. Well, and it's clever filmmaking because they only show her hit her head once so that you know that that is what the sound is. <laughs> but then everything else is done with just a van backing up and, and taking off and backing up. Um, the drunk nurse that comes to take care of the police officer is hysterical. She's just like, you look like you could use some help. Oh, you're a policeman? Yeah, I'm a nurse. I only had one beer and six... Six jello bombs or whatever she had. And uh, um, the guy has uh, Julie take her pants off. 
and she's wearing like teddy bear head underwear, um, which is amazing. And she wears that for the rest of the movie. You just can't see it under her jacket, but that's all she's got on under her jacket is her shirt and her teddy bear underwear. Um, we already talked about the toy dog arson. Um, the uh, the hallucination man's subway dance. Uh, Kase was having an absolutely great time after having drugs literally shot into his system. Um, it's not how you usually shoot up drugs, but whatever works, man. Um, I loved Sakai from Neurosurgery's Swingers-esque chain of messages that go on so long that the movie moves on, but the audio is still there. Um, the animated segment is worth it just for the Yakuza boss to say, trust in Japanese cars, which is how he convinces, uh, convinces him to drive through the, through the, you know, the side of the garage and over all the police cars. And then at the end, I absolutely love that whole montage of him training and fighting and her detoxing. It's like they're both having their fight to get their lives back um, before they go back to the apartment together at the end. And so it, it's a quality film, First Love. It's, it's good stuff. I would recommend, you know, Dead or Alive, definitely. Um, he has a movie called 13 Assassins. Uh, which the lead uh, guy from this is also in. It came back out, came out back in 2010. Um, and then audition if you can, if you're if you're not overly squeamish, if you can make it through that scene, uh, go for it with that. Yeah. As far as similar movies, warning about audition though: the first hour is like a romantic comedy. Like mm-hmm. there's nothing, there's no indication you're going. There's no to warning that that's going to happen. Yeah. So you're watching it and you're like, oh, this is pleasant. I like this. I wonder why this has such a reputation. And then, yeah, the fine art theater, uh, (laughs) the way that they told people about it was like without giving away what happened. But the way they told did it was they they had a they had the audition challenge, which was that if you can make it through Takashi Miike's audition without vomiting, uh, we'll we'll refund your money. Um, so I saw it for free at the fine art because I did not, I did not need to leave the screening when I watched it back in '99. So, um, but Aaron, it is your turn to suggest the movie. What would you like us to watch next time? I think I'm going to go easy on y'all this time. Um, I chose a movie that has one of my favorite villains of any movie ever and that is Forrest Gump (laughs) 2014's Whiplash oh with J.K. Simmons and yeah yep and Miles Teller Miles Teller Miles from being interesting um Teller uh sounds good yes I enjoy that movie um, so that sounds great. Thanks everybody for joining to discuss First Love. Thanks everybody out there for listening. We'll see you on the next Deeply Discussing Movie Podcast.